Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tackle the Text. My name is Pastor Keon Henderson. I am privileged to give leadership to the Lighthouse Church, and this is Pastor Torrance Moore to my right, who is the assistant pastor of the Lighthouse Church. And I'm sure you're looking on stage if you are a frequent watcher of Tackle the Text. I'm sure you're looking and saying, where's the other crew? Where's Pastor Raymond? Where's Pastor Hammond? Uh, today, I wanted to do something just a little bit different. Um, one of the things that I uh, am inundated with the most is uh, messages, uh, uh, direct messages, uh, uh, comments, always about um, success and leadership and uh, how to. And I am honored of God, number one, uh, to have done enough where people uh, will ascribe to some of the systems that we have as a way forward. Uh, because I am honored to serve the Lord, uh, and it is the privilege of my life. I'm also honored uh, when people I respect and people that I honor um, are enthusiastic about some of the things that God is doing in our ministry. And uh, as I stated, one of the questions I get over and over and over again is how to, how to do this and how to do that and how did you do this and how did you do that. Um, Let me first tell you, that sometimes the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that a lot of the times people are uh, of the impression that a lot of the things that happen um, is just uh, a work of art. Uh, But sometimes genius is often uh, misconstrued as persistence. There's nothing like not quitting, Uh, just continuously doing over and over and over and over. So today I want to talk about something that I think will help you. Uh, So I think you should get your pens. I think you should get your notepads. I think you should get your tablet. Um, And I know a lot of you take notes on iPads and phones, uh, but I'm a little new and old school. I do take a lot of notes um, on my iPad, but I still like to read books, and I still like to take notes. And there is an old scripture that says, write the vision. There is something... Uh, about the kinetic energy between the mind and the hand uh, that enhances memory. So uh, just try something new. If you are normally um, a texter or a typer, write this down. I want you to get every person that you have under your circle of influence. Maybe you are an entrepreneur right now, and you have a business, and you're trying to figure out how to motivate your employees. Maybe you're a parent, and you're trying to figure out, how do I motivate my children? Maybe you're a husband and wife, and you guys are trying to accomplish things for the kingdom of God or perhaps just um, in your own uh, finances and resources, and you're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. You know, some people think it's brute energy. Some think it's brute force. Some think that you have to uh, kick the door in, and all of those things are ways. But if this was a sermon and I had to give it a title, today I would call it another way in. Over the next few moments, I hope that my conversation with Pastor Torrance will show you that there is another way in, another way into your destiny, another way into your dreams, another way into making that thing that you have in your mind a part of your present reality. And I know somebody who is uniquely qualified and can help you to get just there. I want to introduce to some of y'all and just present to the others uh, the assistant pastor of the Lighthouse Church, Pastor Torrance Moore. How are you, sir? 
I am wonderful, man. You, do, I, you doing I, good? I'm good. I'm good. I am honored to be up here with you. Now, every time I get an t- opportunity to uh, to grace a stage with you, I say, well, I'm coming up a little bit higher. You know. Well, you got it, man. Yeah, you got I, it. You know, uh, you know, I think that um, let me just say this on the, on the uh, onset. I have been pastoring half, literally half of my life. Yeah. I'll be 40 um, in uh, July. I've been doing it ever since I turned 21. I've been preaching over 60 to 70% of my life because I started at the age of 14. 14. Yeah. I've been doing this my entire life. I've literally been preaching the gospel almost 26 years. I've, I've been pastoring um, about 19 years, and it's been the joy of my life to do it. Mm-hmm. I've done it on every level. I did it when there were five. Yeah. I did it now when there are 15,000. Mm-hmm. I did it um, when we were in storefronts and daycare centers, and I was cleaning up diapers. And blessed be God, I'm doing it now where we have a cleaning crew that cleans all of our facilities across the city of Houston. I did it when I didn't know if my car was going to start up. Yeah. And I do it now where you or somebody else will drive me in one of your fine automobiles. Huh. I've been blessed. I can't, yeah. I can't tell you I haven't been blessed, but it hasn't always been easy. No. But this isn't about me. This isn't about my testimony because most people subscribe or expect that I should be here. That, you know, that the cake is already baked. So what I thought today, that you and I can have another conversation for the tens of thousands of people who will either watch this or share this with somebody and show them that there is another way into success. Absolutely. That it's not always the most talented. Nope. That it is not always the most gifted. That it is not always the most famous. Because when I met you, you were none of those things. I knew nothing about your talent. You could have been the most talented person in the world. I knew nothing about it. When I met you, you were not famous because I'd never seen you on television. I'd never seen you on an international stage. When I met you, and if you don't mind me saying this, I remember you were in a 15-year-old Ford (laughs) (laughs) that was in the shop every other week. And I still have it to And you still got it to this day. <laughs> I still got it. That's one of the cars you yeah, got to this I, day, but you keep it for sentimental reasons. But when I met you, your car wouldn't start. Yeah. It was always in the shop. Mm. You were single. Mm. You had just come out of a divorce. Yeah. I remember meeting your son, and he was growing up. All of that happened. Fast forward, you drive new cars. <laughs> you and your wife own two houses in the same neighborhood. Both of y'all got brand new cars. Your wife is a serial entrepreneur. Yes, you yes. own businesses. You got all of this stuff. And I need to talk to you about how I met you yeah. in the back row of a small, insignificant church to how you're now sitting on this stage and we're talking about how the lights are so bright that we can't even see the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about service. So how did you get from that back door, or whatever proverbial back door we had at the time, to this stage? Man. To be honest, man, it was a lot of uh, shakiness for me. Because when I came into the church, now you're talking about when we were at, the, at Summer Creek High School, 
and we were in the, in the auditorium, much smaller than this one. And I sat in the back row, if we were on the stage to the right, well, to the left, facing the stage to the right, very back by the door. And I came in in probably one of the worst conditions I've ever been in. Coming out of divorce, you know, and losing a lot of things, homes, relationship. My son is, is in between all of that chaos. And I'm in a, in a place where I don't know what's left or right now. But when I came in to this, to this church and I listened to you preach, uh, God began to speak. And I kept coming back and I kept coming back and I sat in that same row. And I just said, Lord, I, I need you to guide me on what is my next turn. I'm a preacher now. I'm supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be preaching. I'm supposed to be doing something for you. And at the last church I left, I was able to do that. And, and now that I'm in this divorce, that's all been torn away. I need another direction. Well, what happened was, God said, join. Now, this may seem like a slow story for many, but I'm building up to a good ending. When he said join, I went, I went down the aisle, shook your hand, and then sat down in the seats. I said, okay, Lord, now what? Because now that I join, what am I supposed to be doing here? I don't know if it's a, it's a whole row of preachers here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to fit in well. I don't know what turn to make. I, I'm just going to sit right here. Then the Lord said, be valuable. What does that mean, Pastor? Be valuable. He said, add something. Find out where you can be valuable in this ministry without the stage. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. I got you now, Lord. The first place I went to was the prayer, the prayer ministry. Because I said, well, if I'm a preacher, I ought to be able to pray. There's one thing a preacher ought to be able to do, ought to pray <laughs> and read his Bible. So let's, let's dig into that because... Yeah. You're going through a divorce, mm -hmm. which means that you're now coming into church because the way church people are, you're trying to figure out, am I in a place where people are going to judge me? Absolutely. Because divorce makes you feel assumptions. Yes. It makes you feel opinions. Yeah. And you have to deal with uh, the controversial story that is propagated by the other party. So you've got Absolutely. all of that going on at the same time. Absolutely. And you walk into church, and you're a minister, and, and God knows the most difficult thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up for you right now because I'm one of you. One of the most difficult things about being a minister is that people love to build us up just so they can watch us fall down. Absolutely, man. That, that they love to make gods out of us. Yes. And then destroy us when they find out that we're not perfect. All the while, we've been asking, please. Take me off the path. Take me off of that. I am just as frail and as human as you are. And, and being held hostage by people for the exact same things that they are guilty of. Now, that's a whole different conversation. And you walk into a church. Yes. Did you feel any of that judgment when you came? Did you 
experience any of that anxiety? What was your heart like? Because a lot of people say, I, church hurt, right? I, I can't work in church yeah, because yeah. it, what did you feel like sitting in that it, back row with yeah. all of that pain in your heart? It was exactly what you said, that when we came in, we feel assumptions. But then you're already hearing uh, opinions and assumptions that have not yet been spoken. So because it's like a label, I'm divorced, that I got to lead out with that, you know, and I'm sitting back there crushed because I'm thinking, not only do the, will people not accept me, God, God has something against me now. So the only way that I could get out oh, of it. Oh, let's that, dig in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so you came in. Let's forget the people. Forget that. You yeah. felt like God had something like God against you. Had something against me. You need to you need to stay right there. You yeah. need to stay right there because I think that you can just open up a can of worms there. Yeah. yeah. Because there are thousands of people watching us. Most of them don't just struggle with people's opinions of them. Yeah. But a lot of them don't really know that they're struggling because they inadvertently or subconsciously they think that God has something yeah, against God, them. Yeah, and we know yeah. all of the things that the scripture says about yeah, that. Yeah. How did you overcome yeah. the insecurity that came with thinking that your God Man. had an art against you? I remember sitting in one Bible study and we were on a panel. Now, this is fast forward now. We were sitting on the panel and somebody asked you about divorce. And you said um, <clears throat> that now that I'm in a new marriage, I repent for the last one. And I said, wow, because God doesn't have, he's not holding a grudge against me or you. He's just saying, now that that has happened, repent for your involvement in it and move on. Mm. And I had to learn that, man, because I was sitting there holding that grudge. And then I deal with people today who come in and say, man, I'm divorced. I feel like God has something against me. No, he doesn't. It's, a, it's Yeah, divorce is something that he doesn't want us to experience. But if we have to experience it, God said, repent. Deal with yourself on that situation and then move forward. I still have another side of purpose to deal with. Don't stay in that. And so now I get up. I got up. I got up. And I said, I'm going to join the prayer line. Because I want to be able to reach. I want to be able to work. and do. And my philosophy was this, Pastor. That before the people hear me speak, they need to see me serve. But I don't, I don't want miss people to miss the power of what you're saying. Yeah. Because you're going through hell and high water, literally. Yeah. You join the prayer team while you need prayer yourself. Absolutely. You join the prayer team praying for other people, and if I know you well enough, yeah. while you're even struggling to pray for yourself. What do you say to people? Because a lot of people think that there is no need for them in church or there's no need for them in service because they're not perfect or because their life is not together. But it seems to me that you do what Bishop Jakes calls leading while bleeding. Here you are praying for people while you need prayer yourself. What, where did you get the energy? I'm watching you. I, right now, I live in Miami, Florida. I live in yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Colorado. I live in, in, in Jersey, and I'm watching this right now, and I want to say, yeah, you're a preacher. I, want you to er- I don't want them to see you as the assistant pastor. I want you to take us back to when yeah. you were that wounded soldier in the back. Where did you get the energy because. to join a ministry and to keep going forward when everything in life was I, pulling you back? You know, I love transparency, so you give me permission to do Yes, that. sir. 
because I wasn't praying for myself. I, I, I was so hurt and I was so low, I did not pray for me. And I felt like the only way that I could muster up enough energy to pray for myself was to do it for somebody else. Because I felt at the time, I didn't deserve to talk to you, Lord. But maybe you'll hear me on someone else's behalf. Maybe you'll move for them because I'm praying for them. I didn't deserve to hear you at that time, God. That's what I was thinking. But as I began to pray for other people, I mustered up enough energy to pray for myself. And, I, and, and someone out there is like that because right now they feel they don't deserve to hear God's voice. They don't deserve to receive his grace or his mercy. But I'm telling you right now that if you just have enough energy to open your, come out of yourself. This is the thing, because when you're dealing with something as heavy as divorce, you got to remember to come out of yourself. Because in, in that type of situation, Pastor, self becomes the number one priority. Even if you're feeling remorse, even if you're down in the dumps about it, yourself is still the number one priority because I didn't want to pray to God. I didn't ask God. I know that's going to be rough for some people to hear a preacher say, but I didn't want to talk to God about that. I felt like it was so bad I didn't need to discuss it. You know, one of the things that you just said goes right in the face of modern culture. Yeah. Um, you said, I couldn't pray for me, but I could pray for somebody else. Ladies and gentlemen, I was going to wait until a little <laughs> later to tell you what the substratum of this conversation was about. Yeah. He literally, and I'm going to give you the end now so you can know how to get here. He literally served his way from the back row to the front seat. Yes, sir. He served his way from the back row to the front seat. And you just heard out of the words of his mouth, even when he didn't have the courage to pray for himself, he found solace and security in praying for someone else. See, that's where you have to get. One of the first ways to get over a situation Absolutely. is to make sure that you use the energy, the life, the blood that you have left for somebody else. And the reason why what you said flies in the face of current culture is because if you look online right now, seven, eight out of every ten persons who are going through something, people who are going through something, here's what you see online. Self-care. Self-love. It's about me. I got to look out for me. Mm -hmm. It's about me and me and me and me. And while it sounds good, And while it is the cliche of a generation, I am telling you that the more selfish you become, the more isolated you will be. And the kingdom of heaven, according to the scripture, advances amongst friends. And as long as we keep retracting into this false sense of security because I love me, and because I'm taking care of me, and please don't misunderstand me because self-care is important. It is. Self-love is important. But your self-worth, self-love, and self-care should also be attached to what you do for somebody else. Yes. Jesus Christ, as far as I know, mm-hmm. according to the Bible I've read, I never heard him say, I have to look out for me. I never once heard him say, I love me. I did hear him say, 
while you were yet sinners, I loved yeah, you. I loved you. I did hear him say, no greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. I did hear him say, I must work the works of the one who sent me while his day for the night is coming. And no man, I heard him saying, I must seek and save that which is lost. Everything about Jesus was about using himself for the betterment of other people. And yet we live in a society where everybody's about themselves and they're wondering why. The journey is so long and the pain is so difficult. I subscribe that you have just opened up the first chapter to a book of healing. And that is, when you are hurting, find somebody else to help heal. Oh, man, absolutely, Pastor. That when you are hurting, find someone else that you can help heal. You got in the prayer line. And you prayed when your heart was broken. Yes. You prayed when your mind was disheveled and confused. Yes. Yes. You prayed when your home was fractured. And you prayed even, you prayed for other people's children yes. when you didn't even know what yeah. was going on. How my son would turn out. Well, and, yeah. and now, the end of the story says that it was better that you were afflicted, that you might know the statutes of God. You got in the prayer line and you prayed for people, you served people. Why did you do that? Why didn't you decide, no, I just got a divorce. This is going to be about me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm hurting. Uh, I got to look out for number one. I, I got to do me. This yeah. is what we yeah. see online every day. Yeah. But you didn't do that. No, I, I didn't. Why because, not? Because I knew that with the calling, now here we go to preacher talk, but I'll get back to the other stuff. With the calling came responsibility. Mm. Now, it don't, it, responsibility doesn't mean stage. Responsibility means, am I performing according to his will? This is my responsibility to him. Now, on the back end of that, I felt like that if I could pray for someone else, that, that maybe, this is, and this is, this is how my mind was working then, Pastor, maybe God could turn my situation. Because service should have some benefit to it, right? Mm. That if I serve someone else, that the benefit behind me humbling myself should pay a reward back to me in some form or fashion. It doesn't always have to be finance. It might just be some healing. It may be some, a door opening. Maybe, maybe a crooked path is made straight through me humbling myself in that moment. It's scripture. Didn't, didn't God, didn't Christ say, Pastor, we had to talk about this once before, I think it was on Tackle Text. Didn't Christ say that he did not consider it Robbery, robbery to be considered equal with God. Yes, sir. That he humbled himself. Some translations say he emptied himself. <laughs> so then if he's emptying him himself, he says, I'm laying down all of these privileges so that I can perform something for you that I otherwise could have kept for myself. Yes, sir. So then in that line, I said, well, I, if I pray for someone else, maybe, maybe God will just bless me. Some kind of way. I, and I want you all to hear me because I know this flies in the face yeah. of so many ideologies and thought processes that are being propagated online across the world today. Yeah. Uh, because now everybody with the camera is all of a sudden an expert. Yeah. And everybody uh, uh, with, with a lot of followers is all now all of a sudden. That's what it's all about. Uh, it, yeah, but, but I'm trying to tell you that there is another way in. And I'm not saying the other stuff doesn't work. Oh. But I'm just talking to people who've been working that thing and it hasn't been working for you yes, and who sir. has been trying those other ways and trying to figure out why is your miracle taking mm. so long. I came to show you a person 
who emptied himself while he was already emptied. And now, sitting on this stage, let's, yes, let's, 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 as the old yes, preacher would say, let's check the roll. Let's check the roll. <laughs> Got a divorce. Yes, sir. Lost a house. Yes, sir. And was driving a car that you had to pray yes, for sir. to start. Yes, sir. Emptied yourself. Emptied myself. Now you own two houses in the, yes, same, neighborhood. In the same neighborhood. Now you've got that car plus two or three others. Yes, sir. You don't just have the son you had, but now you and your new wife, your yeah. current wife, have children. have children. And a grandbaby. And a grandbaby yeah, who yeah. is a- adorable, <laughs> by the way. Yes, sir. I've never yes, seen sir. you act the way you act with your grandchild. And we're going we're gonna to get there in, in another conversation. Yeah. But, but it seems like he gave you double. Man, he did. He for did. your trouble. He but did. it seems like. In exchange for your double, you had to give him everything. Absolutely. And that's something I want to talk to you about because there is no way for God to give you double Ooh. while you maintain everything you have. I, you, you can't be about you and expect God to be about you. That's, that is a conflict of interest. Yes, sir, it is. You either have to be about him and him about you, or, or, or if you're going to be about you, he won't be about you. I got scripture because Paul yeah, says yeah, that when Paul says that the church was concerned with themselves, uh-huh. here's what he says uh-huh. in the epistle, then God turned them over to a reprobate <laughs> mind. That means that whenever they made themselves the priority, yes, God demoted them oh, as it related to his response to them because God says, I will not allow you Yes, to sir. be in charge of you and me because you're going to lose and that's going to mess up my resume. My so I'm going to let you think. I'm going to let you be responsible for your own actions since it's all about you. You know, one of the things that came out recently uh, was this tennis player. Yeah. And I think that um, what she went through yeah. and what a lot of people are ascribing their, um, uh, their decisions to is yeah. two different things. She was saying uh, that uh, she was suffering with mental health mm-hmm. and that um, interviewing after and before the matches was causing her anxiety. anxiety. And so she wasn't saying that she wouldn't play she for the fans. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't saying that she wouldn't uh, operate in her gift. What she was saying is, is the interview stuff. And if you've ever been interviewed by those people, they try to tear you down. It's like you lose to somebody because you had a bad day. Yeah, yeah. And I, okay, I was watching uh, the, the Suns play uh, the Lakers, the, Lakers. Uh, the other day, yeah. and and LeBron, I guess, looked a little off, and the whole internet was filled with Father Time is catching up. But uh, just two weeks ago, everybody was talking about how young he looked, yeah, yeah and how he yeah. was kicking, and how uh, great he was, how yeah. great he was, and how yeah. he was kicking. Uh, for, people are always looking for the next hero. Yes, they are. They're always looking for uh, the next shero. They're yeah. always and and they'll tear you down. But one thing I've never seen people able to do, never been able to defeat a servant. I've never seen a servant defeated. A servant has been undefeated by Mother Nature and Father Time. A servant's name can get him a holiday, Dr. Martin Luther King. You can shoot a servant and he still not die. Because when you are a servant, when you are a servant, when you give your life to a cause, you can become undefeated. And I think that the reason why you're up here today is that even though I did not know that you were talented, and even though I did not know that all of this was in you, I learned very quickly after meeting you that God had just introduced me to not just one of the world's greatest preachers, and you are a great preacher. Thank you, man. To not 
just one of the greatest men, and you are a great man. You are one of the best servants I've ever met in my life. And I would tell anybody on any day at any time that the Lighthouse Church would not be what it is for three men. Of course he uses me, but I am a small piece of that puzzle. God himself and Torrance Moore. The things that you do behind the scenes. The things that you do that are sacrificial for your family. I've seen you serve in capacities that were detrimental to your past, present, and future. And yet you do it with reckless abandon, not just humility. But here's a word I want to put on that for those of y'all who are listening. Immense integrity. I want you to talk to people, not about how important talent is, not in these lights, because what these lights do is the only thing they're doing is showing you the imperfections in my skin. This stage only builds you up so people can tear you down. But how in the world did you do all you did, and why did you know instinctively or decisively that integrity was important as it is? Because, Pastor, integrity, the integrity that a man has, uh, you, you, you have to walk in a way that allows God to feel confident in illuminating your life. Mm. Say that again. You have to walk. You have to walk in a way. In a way that make that allows God to feel confident in illuminating your life, meaning that He can trust that you will never be first. That always be okay wow. being second. Now I said that because I made a decision. God said, <clears throat> "I'm sending you to a man that's going to change." your life. Now, I never knew who that man was until I came to the Lighthouse Church and I saw you. And God said, this is the man I was talking about. Now, the Lord is speaking to me because I was doing some praying, but then I stopped at the, when, when, when this divorce got real heavy. And then when I got here, Pastor, and I started praying for other people, <laughs> The Lord said, this is the man I'm talking about that's going to help change your life. I began to serve, and this is what I did. Once I started doing that prayer lines, and I started praying for people and moving around, the Lord gave me an opportunity, you might remember this, to pray on the stage. Mm-hmm. We, having, we were having this uh, prayer thing that we were doing, and multiple people were coming. 24 hours of prayer. Yeah. And I prayed the first time on the stage. On the stage. And when I was walking off, when we got off the stage, you said, I want you to come back and pray again. I prayed again. And then all of a sudden, you allowed me to, to do a sermon when you were gone one, one Tuesday. 
you let me do it again and let me do it again. But the Lord said, make sure you're okay with being second. Find out what he need. And that's when I called and asked you about going down to the prison. You said, go check on this young man for me. Uh, I've been telling him I'm going to come down there, but I'm not able to do it. So go down there for me and represent. And I went and done that. And, and, and the integrity in that was that even though I'm going down there as Torrance, I'm going to make sure that you know it's Pastor Keon that's here. Because I'm okay with being second. I don't have to be first. And the reason I say be okay with being second is because everybody wants to be first, Pastor. It's very few people who will be okay with being second. Because they feel like they have enough talent to be out front. They have enough talent to be on the, on the headliner. That they're, they're, they're good enough to preach, to be on the board. But no one wants to be second, as if second is not a needed position. Because in order for there to be a number one, there has to be a number two. And without, without, without it being a, a number two, then how can number one stand? So I said, in order for me to be great as number two, I have to be okay with standing behind Pastor Gay. So I say, well, God, I'm going to push him forward because I know that the further I push him, the more you will pull me. You cannot push and not be pulled. Wow. Lord have mercy. I felt that, Pastor. That was it. Because it's hard, to, it's hard to be pushed and you don't get pulled yourself. And as, as much as I push you, God pulls me. That's the reason why, and I don't care, that's not nothing to brag about, a house, a car, nothing like that. But that's the reason why God gives. Because I'm pushing. I'm pushing you. I got to push him up, push him up. Make sure we're pushing him up. And I try to teach that to other people. Push, push. And the more you push, the more God's going to pull you. Because he'll never let your leader leave you. Mm. I'm going to always be behind you. So the, the further I push you, the more God's going to pull me. And the further and the higher you go, the more God's going to pull me up. Because you can't go high without your boy. <laughs> let, me, let me tell the people how this isn't hyperbole. This isn't a man just talking about um, innuendos just to make the conversation no. exciting. I never will forget the first time the Lord told me to, and we were talking about building a larger sanctuary here. Yes. And the Lord told me, um, look futuristically. Mm-hmm. You know, the city is spreading out. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, different size of town is starting to grow where people are not coming into the city anymore. So we went to a multi-site model. And, and a lot of people... Understand that at that time, that was an ego shifter because it meant that you have to empty out a building in order to feel purpose. And we told people, if you live over there, don't come here. If you live over there, don't come here. So for a while, we went through lower attendance in this building while our attendance was rising, but we couldn't feel it. So there was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. I remember God said, start in Sugar Land, Texas. Yeah. And I came to you and your wife, and I said, there is nobody that I trust yeah. more than you to go out there. To go out there. Yeah. I couldn't do and, it. Though. And without <laughs> getting into the long of the short, guys, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. the man looked me in my face and said, 
with all due respect, Pastor, I have another suggestion mm-hmm. for a person to become a campus pastor because my original assignment is still true. God didn't send me to this church to pastor. He sent me here to push you. Yeah. He forewent his own congregation, quote unquote, his own stage. Yeah. The notoriety that comes with being your own guy to have autonomy to be second. Listen, I have to stop right here. Listen, we're going to break this tackle the text into two because it was too good to continue. So this is the end of part one. I want to give you an opportunity to give right now. I want you to get a gift that matches the expectation you have from this conversation. Now, this may not be the one where Pastor Raymond and Pastor Hammond and Pastor Torrance and I were up here running around and exegeting texts, but I promise you there is another way in. There is another way in, and you can serve yourself right through the front door of opportunity. So if you're Lighthouse 2.0, God bless you. I want you to get your gift ready right now. If you're just giving online, you can text it or you can give it through our website or you can give it through our app. All of those are applicable and acceptable ways to do it. But I want you to make sure that you don't allow summertime, that you don't allow graduations, that you don't allow prom season, that you allow none of that to get in between the gift and the sower and the blessings that you're trying to build up in your life. You never want a season where you did not sow. I want you to stay blessed. I want you to give and expect God to give it back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together and running over. And men are going to come and give to you. That's the end of part one of our Tackle the Text. I need you to come right back here next Tuesday and watch the second half. Because I'm telling you, It's greater later. God bless you.